We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This a bonus episode 175 of the pod. Coming to you on a Saturday, gracing your ears on the weekend because the Bears are winners. Uh, Matt Rooney's a winner as well, alongside Matt. I am Joe Musso. We're here to break down what we saw on Thursday night, because we're not going to make you wait till Tuesday on some Thursday be a while. recap yeah. stuff. It'd be a while. It'd be stale. We ought to be looking forward to the next game. Well, Bears wins are never stale. They, they are not. We bask in them until that glow wears off the following week. Uh, we get to glow a little longer here as the Bears take down Tampa Bay 20-19 to 19 in heart-pounding fashion once again. Our Bears are 4-1 with a point differential of plus 5. So call your cardiologist, but 4-1 uh, and one is 4-1, and one, Matt Rooney. Uh, well, first off, I'm just happy you called me a winner. I think that's in the, in the winner. 175 episodes of this podcast, other than the times I've beaten you in locks of the week where I've technically won. I think that's the first time you've ever called me a winner. So uh, you earned nice it. You earned it with a with a spectacular war zone performance yesterday. That was pretty epic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> came on my back. Uh, we are not here to talk video games. We are here we to could. talk real games. Uh, anybody, we, anybody wants to send in a war zone mailbag? We can talk mm, about that. Yeah, yeah, war zone mailbag. 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 Yeah, mailbag will, will work for uh, will work for the weeks to come. But we're going to give you a, a nice uh, a nice concise thirty minutes here on the yeah. Chicago Bears and what we saw this week, Matt. Uh, your initial reactions to the win, uh, obviously, uh, throughout. These last five weeks, we've called for certain things. We've asked for certain things. And thankfully enough, some of them were met on, on Thursday night for me. I think what really resonated with me and what we talked about last week was this team's inability to hit the big play. Now, mm-hmm. offensively, still unable to hit the big play. Nick Foles throws one of the worst balls you'll ever see uh, in the first half, misses his wide receiver. which Not good could have changed the course of this game and not had them down 13. Uh, but Kyle Fuller changes the course mm-hmm. of a football game with a bone-crushing hit across the middle, forcing a fumble. Um, really touch and go there for a minute in the sense that the refs almost got it completely wrong. They were going to flag it for targeting mm-hmm. rather than call it a catch and a fumble. So they waived the targeting, and then they got to look at the fact if it was a catch or not. And then Mike Pereira's talking about how he doesn't know if it's a catch, but usually Mike Pereira's been wrong this year, so I felt good when he went the other way on this one. But Kyle Fuller changes the course of a football game with that hit. You talked about several times on this podcast, especially when the defense has been underachieving. You know, This is such defense that kind of feeds off, especially at home, the fans feeds off the energy. And yeah, has, I guess it did struggles come off the to points. create their That's own a good spark. Point. Yeah. And yeah. credit to Kyle Fuller. He did. I, I agreed with you for the most part, but Kyle Fuller – did what nobody had really done on that Bears defense thus far this year, and he created that spark with that big hit. Obviously, he, he, he jarred the ball loose. The Bears hopped on it. That was absolutely the turning point in the game. Did the Bears play great the rest of the way? No, the offense still has some work to do, but that got them into the end zone. That gave the team some life, and then you know, before you know it, they're up, uh, up by halftime. Yeah, I, I don't know how – you know, that was the watershed moment, if you will, in the football game that allowed us to – go the right way, uh, at least for a little while. But it did come off of the first rushing touchdown that the Bears have had all season. Uh, David Montgomery at the goal line getting it. Was that was that off the Montgomery touchdown? Or no, it was 13 nothing, I believe, when Fuller made the hit, right? No, 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 because no, we got the ball back before half to score again. It was 13-7 at that point coming off of the Jimmy Graham 
touchdown? Uh, no, Dave Montgomery made it thirteen to seven. Graham made it so 13, it was off thirteen. It was off. It was off the Montgomery touchdown. Yeah. It set up the Graham touchdown, which is what a fantastic a catch, by Jimmy catch. I, I mean, you tweeted at me. You came at me a little bit. And, uh, to, I, I, you know, to, I like no, to, have to that fun credit. To that, I know to that credit. I was wrong, and I, I, I think it's safe to say that most of Chicago land and NFL. Uh, fans were wrong about Jimmy Graham, or at least his ability to threaten in the red zone. I, I we don't, don't need know what we don't is. need Jimmy Graham to block power on no. the forty-five. I don't and know. And he's 45. not he's not in there. They have no. We need Jimmy sets. Graham to make a one-handed catch to put us up 14-13 heading into the halftime. That's what we need. A I don't know Graham. if it's you know Green Bay and Seattle weren't quite using him right, or if he didn't just. It's impossible. To the not body wasn't right. Maybe the body wasn't right too. Maybe. You know, this offense, as we've seen in Kansas City and Philly, is very you know tight end friendly if you have one. I don't know if he's found kind of the fountain of youth. I mean, he's not who he was in New Orleans, but he is sure as hell better than anything we saw the shell of himself in, in Seattle and in Green Bay, especially the last couple of years. But that catch was, I mean, that's that's a catch of the year candidate right now. I mean, it's, it, won't be, it won't be at the end of the year, but right now it is. It undoubtedly is, and then uh, from there you go into halftime, you come out flat. Play calling's poor. Uh, we get bad Shocker. play calling. We get bad play calling in the fourth quarter. There's there's a lot of good to take away from this football game, especially the fact that you get a big time NFC win against a team that wants to contend mm-hmm. uh, for an NFC championship and a Super Bowl, perhaps in Tom Brady and this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. They were dinged up. They were banged up. You got to play the team that they roll out, and it still was an impressive football team. Mike Evans still one of the toughest covers in the league, and he proved that. But we buried the lead here a bit with a mental lapse that we do not expect from Tom Terrific. Uh, Tom Brady coming down the stretch, obviously thinking he had another down, mm-hmm. signaling for fourth down after he had thrown that interception, and then coming to the podium and being noncommittal about making that mental mistake. And then Bruce Arians backs his guy, which I was not expecting after what we saw Bruce Arians say earlier in the season about Tom Brady. He said Tom knew it was fourth down. Well, no, he didn't. He obviously did not. What are you you're trying to gain the refs for an extra down? That's not how it works. And I don't think that's what he was trying to do here. I think Tom Brady completely lost sight of the situation, whether that be because of some sort of mental short in his brain or the fact that the Bears had pressured him the entire second half. He was off his base, and, I, and I'd like to give the Bears credit for putting him off his base in that moment. No, he very much was just a little bit off, and I do think it was I – mean, we'd been as critical of the Bears' pass rush, and rightfully so, up until about that Kyle Fuller moment. That, that's what sparked yeah, that for, defense. Yeah, for about a saw. quarter and a half, it looked it just was terrible. mundane as it has they were, Until it got to 13 to nothing, well, you know, while the Bucks are building up that lead, there was negative pressure on Tom Brady. And Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does when you don't pressure him, and that's just you know pick you apart, crossers, hitting people. Yeah. It was it was easy work for Tom Brady. And then once they got pressure on him, we saw it's granted with every with just about every pocket quarterback. I mean that's what got to Tom Brady. He was a different quarterback, and I I think you're right. I think that pass rush, and I think that combined with maybe just having a little bit of a brain fart on a short week and in a, in a tight scenario and being 43 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you saw the play a million times. He had that check down to Ronald Jones open for a first down and probably 12 more yards if he really wanted it. Uh, just didn't go for it, tried to force one in deep. So clearly uh, he messed that up, but you know, I'll take that. Um, he probably shouldn't have even had that much time because Matt Nagy probably should have ran the ball on second down instead of trying yeah. to force one into Allen Robinson, which, by the way, now, if that's the catch I'm thinking of, that's one Allen Robinson. That's a 50-50 ball that, again, Allen Robinson needs to That was a tough with. one. He went, he went it up was, high pointed it. Hey, if you want defender. $20 million, that's a, that's yeah, a catch you make. I, I agree with you. you got to make that big play. And 
I'll be critical of Matt Nagy in most things. And I am critical of his decision to not run the ball there. But I get after why he threw you get, it, but I think you have you to get into it. field goal range. If you're going to take a shot, you take a shot immediately. And I respect that mm-hmm. because if you don't want Cairo Santos to have to look at a 42 yard field goal um, or whatever it was right when they got into was, field goal range, a yeah. 51 yard field goal, he ends up hitting the 38 yard field goal after a couple gainers. Well, I get that. But part. I, 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 I the get the part. idea of trying to take it out of, like, trying to take your kicker out of the scenario. Mm-hmm. But the time. The place, the clock that he decided to do it in was wrong. Was yes. totally wrong. I I do get the thinking, and you know, in that scenario, would you rather be up three with Tom Brady with you know forty seconds left, or would you rather possibly be up seven? And I think that yeah. was his ultimate goal, and he he said it. Credit to him, he, he lived up to his word. Here, he's he's always said, "I once we get in the red zone, I want touchdowns. I don't want field goals." He went for the touchdown. They didn't get it. Um, credit to, I mean. It's, it's tough to credit him too much because as a Bears kicker, you're only as good as your next kick. And what you've yeah. done in the past now doesn't matter because the next time he misses, there's going to be calls for it. But, you know, Cairo Santos has missed – he missed the one from 52 or whatever in Atlanta, which he's not a big 50 – He's his, his game is, you know, inside 50. He's pretty yeah. accurate. He's missed pretty much one important kick all year, and that was in Atlanta. I think it was a 47-yarder. They still end up winning the game. He's pretty much made every kick the Bears have needed him to this year. Two, I think two he's for two eight in of the fourth 10. quarter. I don't care if they're from 20 yards or if they're from 55. Yeah. If Cairo Santos is going two of two in prime time in the fourth quarter, I, I can't ask much more from him. No, you know? he's done exactly what they've needed him to so far this year. He's a, I, I don't get how kickers go from being really bad to being really good that quickly. I feel like it's the most like – Volatile position in the NFL. They're all, but, they're all capable of making yeah. the kicks. It's just the operation needs to be clean, as do the mentals. He, like you got to take care of your chicken. But and sometimes these kickers don't take care of their chicken. Good for him knocking down that kick. Anything else you got from the from the anything? What else stuck out to you from this one? Well, we talked Brady here. Let's talk his counterpart in Nick Foles. Foles goes thirty of forty two. Again, throwing it forty two times. Not exactly the position I think when you've been put Nick Foles in. Uh, one I will say one interception, but does get the better of Tom Brady two and zero against him in his career, including the Super Bowl win in Super Bowl fifty two. Now, as much as we want the Bears to run the ball, and I'm I, fourteen carries is unacceptable. That Buccaneers front seven is really they were good. They're tough again. We've faced the two Bears of the better were, fronts over the last two weeks. Yeah, and then the Bears also, what halfway into the game, lost arguably their best offensive lineman from this year, James Daniels, likely for the season too, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, torn pack but, out for the season. You know, they lost their left guard, who's you know, they've obviously a key in the run game. So that that might have had some sort of factoring into it. You go, the, the combination of having that dominant front seven, having that offensive lineman down, you might have thought it was a little bit easier to pass protect. Um they still didn't do that great of a job uh, protecting Nick Foles. But most of the time, I'm going to say 42 times is too much for Nick Foles to throw. And this is still probably under that case. But this one, I, I kind of get it. I am not as critical as I've been in weeks past about not getting enough run. That said, 10 carries for David Montgomery is not enough. Where I am critical of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm looking at the stats right now, I have the mm-hmm. second best run defense in the league currently with 58.4 yards per game, only behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so yeah, like you said, you're getting the second best and the fourth best rushing defense back-to-back weeks. Maybe you, you lean away from the run, but I, we need to see a recommitment to the run because what I've seen out of Nick Foles, 
is not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Thank you for getting us the win. Thank you for putting mm-hmm. us in a position to win. Uh, thank you for hitting that beautiful touch ball. He made a David couple Montgomery. of those. Those they, floaters out to the side. He yeah, made a, you know, you identify, two or three of those in that identify game. man Perfect to man, those. get your running back in a situation where he can beat a guy. That's why, to dovetail here for a moment, That's I why really like – that's why I like Cordero Patterson, though, as well, is because he mm-hmm. provides you a mismatch in coverage. When you're getting man-to-man, he's disguising himself as a running back, but that's a, that's a wide receiver coming, yeah. out of your, coming out of your backfield, and I love that matchup. That's a 6-3 target get, you're floating one out to. Yeah, if we, five, get him, if we can get him on wheel routes, and if we have to set that up with three or four handoffs to Cordero Patterson, I'm fine with that. Don't you dare come out and run some offset backfield motion through the backfield pitch as your first, first play of the game. play, Matt Nagy. <laughs> that was terrible. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but I wanted to talk about Nick Foles here for a moment. What's bothering me about Nick Foles is that I was having – it looks different because he's much bigger and much less mobile, but I was having flashbacks of Rex Grossman, maybe a little bit of Jay Cutler. Doesn't have the arm strength, but everything is back foot right now with Nick Foles. I did not see him step into and drive a throw all day. We can't have another back foot flicker of a quarterback, and that's what Nick Foles looks like he's becoming. I don't know if it's an uncomfortability in the pocket or just an overconfidence in his arm and his receivers, but he does not drive the ball the way we need him to. I'm hoping that is something after changing, uh, after going up against two pretty good fronts that maybe that was just some sort of, in his head, he, he's got to be out. It's got to be out a little bit quicker. I, I, I'm with you. There was a lot of back foot stuff, but I, I'm going to hold off to see until he gets you know a few more yeah. starts. Not that he's a first time. He's obviously a veteran. He's, he's been around the block a few times. Gets a few more starts under his belt. I mean, these are the first games he started since you know he broke his collarbone in Jacksonville. It was his first win since the double doink. So his first oh, win. So don't say that. It was his first win don't as a starter since the double doink. Can we can we ban those words need, on the podcast? We need to say those words That's so true. we can we move to, on from those. We words. need to exercise the demons. But I, I, I need to. I, I I'll reserve judgment till about five weeks from now. Four weeks from now. If he's still you know, against New Orleans and, and teams, you know, four or five games down the road, throwing those back foot, not stepping in the throws, not looking comfortable in the pocket, then I'll be a little bit worried. Um, yeah. But he, I, I just kind of chalked that up to the offensive line hasn't been great the last couple of days. Then they got hurt, and they were going up against two pretty dominant front sevens. All right, I'll give you that then. Um, but, yeah, got the job done. I, I, there's always the, you know, comparison that we want to stay away from with the Mitch Trubisky makes this throw, Mitch doesn't make that throw, this and that. Mitch doesn't throw that touch ball to set up no. um, the field goal at the end Mitch, of the game. Mitch doesn't Mitch see. Might hit the, Mitch I'm, might hit the – yeah, Mitch doesn't see Mitch that. Doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't see it. Like, Mitch doesn't but, identify I, man-to-man I don't, like, It's, it's yeah. kind of funny, but, like, I, I think he just – he doesn't. Like, and that's yeah. – he. Mitch has all the talent in the world, but he just can't see that. And he, it's, it's, you know, five years later, he still can't see it. He's never going to be able to see it. Yeah, that's you. why you have Nick Foles in there because – Mitch Trubisky probably doesn't lead that drive because he's not able to identify that flip, you know, uh, flip out uh, out of the backfield of Montgomery. He's probably not able to make the throw either. He's probably just hurriedly throwing one to Allen Robinson off the snap once he gets pressured. Yeah, uh, we got to talk defense here for a moment too because uh, as that, you that said, defense looked good. Uh, two and a half quarters of Chicago Bears defense. I had the tweet mocked up. Where have my monsters gone? Uh, this I was it, it was. Sure. Another disappointing quarter and a half for the Chicago Bears defense, and I don't know what happened, but that Kyler Fuller, Kyle Fuller hit, like you said, sort of ignited a, a little bit of life in them, and that's when Khalil Mack just awoke from hibernation. Good to for, see for a, for a terrible pun here, but 
two sacks, two tackles for a loss, three pressures on Brady. And, you know, he was playing the mental game with Brady, too, whether it was the hip toss of 340-pound Tristan Wirfs. What a soft penalty. Or oh, I'm was, sorry. The, I was thinking the hip, the yeah, finishing the, attack on Brady. That they could, which was – he had his hands up. Like, it that was, was the softest so penalty bad, I've ever so seen. Bad. Um, or whether it was – him on the second sack, kind of crawling over to Brady and breathing on him and making sure, saying whatever I think he, he said was to him, in Brady's sure head a little bit. That. He was, he it was, is. and he needs he needs to employ that strategy mm-hmm. on every single quarterback because if quarterbacks are not afraid of Khalil Mack and you're losing that mental edge on feeling him there when he's not there, then you lose a big part of Khalil Mack's game. Like yeah, Khalil Mack's impact is felt on every play when he's really humming because. You're seeing ghosts, to quote uh, to quote uh, Sam Darnold here. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't that for the first few weeks of this season. Khalil Mack was creating that presence throughout this game. I'm still I, I guess I, not, not worry, but now that's that's probably the last time we're going to see a team come in with a game plan of we're going to let our tackle go one on one with Khalil Mack for most okay, of the then, game. Okay, then so hey, Robert Quinn, hey, Robert, Robert Quinn, Quinn you're up. And also, I, I believe it was was it Robert Quinn who dove on that uh, that Kyle Fuller fumble. I believe uh, I, yeah, I, I wanted just, to credit him because that's what popped in my head just now yeah. when you said Robert Quinn. But that play, like the Bears don't come away with the football if Robert Quinn doesn't alertly just jump on the ball just in case because that was called incomplete. That wasn't called you know that was called the penalty. He still jumped on the ball and because he did that, they were able to review it and call that. We forgot to yeah we forgot to position. mention that layer. There's two more layers of. Football baklava there, if you will. That um, was interesting. You like that? No. Filo dough? I don't know, you know if I like that. Oh, I know baklava's what it is. Got, I know what the dessert it's is. It's got all the different crunchy layers. All right. No, I know what it is. Like, I just don't know would how you like, that has to do with Another food. layer of football boisson, a little bit of a croissant. Like, I, was, I was looking, what's, what has layers, Matt? An uh, onion? We want to peel back the layer of the onion. Cake has Let layers. me do my job. Cake Let has me do layers. my job. Yeah, your cake. Um, the layers... The layers of that play being the refs getting the play right, finally, calling it a reception, having to, rev- uh, having to not call it targeting, having to review it and get it right, having to review it and make sure that there was a clear recovery. Mm-hmm. But then the final layer to that was the Bears ended up fumbling the ball after the clear recovery. Um, but the, <laughs> yeah. the play was long whistled dead, but players were still I did playing. remember that. I, I was kind of worried I because I the thought they were going to have there. like two recoveries. Like, do, you have to, cool. do you have to have a clear recovery and then – maintain possession until you get to the sideline? Like, what's the rule there? Because no I idea. was worried that they were going to say, but then the Bears fumbled and gave the ball back. So uh, That would have been just, the most Bears thing ever. Just and a wild play. I, I We've talked about it a couple times here too, but we, we called out Khalil Mack the last couple weeks, and credit to him, he figured it out, and he had his by far his best game of the year, and probably one of his best games in the last two years. Um, still waiting to see the Akeem Hicks that we've – like. he hasn't been bad. No, I but think that I'm he, still waiting to he see took a step back Hicks this week. That, like we know we've that we've seen in years past, like the, the absolute yeah. dominant fan. I, he probably misses Eddie Goldman in the middle more than anybody because he's probably even though he's not the nose guard, he's probably the one taking up the double teams now in the middle because yeah. they don't have to worry about Eddie Goldman. But still to that, waiting to see to a little bit point, more from him. To that point, there were some chunk gainers on the ground up the middle of the Bears defense mm-hmm. uh, this week. Bro in the early, in the in the Bro first plan, half, man. the tackling. Was so bad. I, Stop you know, biting I, I came out. Buddy. I came out here and gave Roquan all his flowers last week, and then he's just like unable to meet the ball at the point of attack for two quarters here. I don't know what was going on, but maybe you know you, you can't look too much into it. But maybe you know in today's NFL, they're they're not tackling in practice, especially, uh, especially with now the, with the attrition and the lack of on field practice time. Yeah. 
Um, but you still got to be able to come and meet the ball, especially when you get a free run at Ronald Jones in the backfield. Yeah, that was he's been good enough for the year, and they got the win. Where I'm going to be like, all right, you, you you got a free pass for those two, but that's not something that you know we can we can allow to be a habit. No, that cannot become um, habitual. Danny Trevathan, uh, he led the Bears in tackles. Um, he is another one of the like my points of concern with this defense because I, I love him as you know the run stopping middle linebacker, all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. he's in pass coverage this year, he looks like half a step slower than he used to. And that, that worries me a little bit because they signed him to that new deal. And if they kind of have him locked in and he's starting to slow down, that does – maybe it is just the Bears' defense as a whole was not playing all that well and just looking a step slow in general. But they need him to be Danny Trevathan, not you know Danny Trevathan light. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you there. You, you, need, you need your guys, especially after being paid to come and – come and produce and to that fact um i think the i think the absence of Tariq cohen has limited us mm-hmm. in certain ways so i just want to continue to uh, keep that in mind as we move forward here um, they, they gotta add some running back depth at some point right yeah because god forbid you have a half where david montgomery gets a stinger and he can't come back in and you're looking at you know four quarters of cordell patterson like no disrespect but the, how, Wait a minute. How long does that last? How, did you know? Did you know that? the Bears added Lamar Miller? Um, I did know that the Bears added Lamar. They didn't activate him five though. days ago. They signed Lamar Miller to the practice. They signed him. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, they did add some practice. They did add some depth. I didn't realize that. I was googling. I completely free forgot about that. I had that seen that up. in passing. My bad. Well, that that, that question really died. What, what, I, I saw some <laughs> people being critical of Cordero, like the the usage of Cordero Patterson. No, 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 no. That's just Mike Kraft. Like, okay, okay, fine. It was Mike Kraft. I didn't want to give. I him, think that Cordero. Patterson, I did not want to give Mike Kraft the clock. I was skeptical of it coming into the season, um, but at the same time, it, it has proven it has proven effective, especially in the absence of Tariq Cohen. Yeah, I like, think Cordero Patterson's done a fantastic job or a fine job. Is, uh, is Cordero Patterson what he's been number, asked to do? Is he a number one running back? Absolutely not, and he's never going to be a running number one running back. Not going to be used to that. But, but he's as a guy a, who's as a number willing, two guy. He's willing he's to willing, willing to, to do anything you ask of him. I think there and, was a there was a series where he was targeted, or excuse me, he was handed the ball. The next play, he was targeted in the pass game on an incompletion. Then the Bears punted, and he was the one covering the punt that forced a fair catch. He's like, quickly he's just, he just he, does everything. He's quickly becoming my favorite player on the Bears, just because Easy. of his willingness to do any, everything. He is a winning football player. Like you see, he is their best punt cover. He is every time he's getting that ball in the end zone, he's taking it out because he wants to give his chance. You know, his team a yeah. chance. He's, he's uh, hopped on board with changing positions. The running back. He's still lining up in the pass game. Um, and I think it was your guy, Kyle Long, who I'm trying to find his tweet now, but somebody asked him, you know, hey, Kyle, like, why do you like hey, – like, Kyle tweeted about liking Cordell Patterson as a running back, and somebody's like, yeah, I, I don't really – like, why do you like him? And Patterson's like – or Long was like, well, he's 6'4", 230, and he runs a 4'4". So imagine trying to stop that in the whole <laughs> – yeah. like, with, with, with five yards built up. But that's true. Like, even if he's not able to, you know, slash through the hole like Dave Montgomery – if you need short yardage or you know you want to on second and six make it second and three or third and three like that's a guy who at the very least is going to yeah. get to the line of scrimmage full speed and probably fall forward and get you a couple of yards and so, i think that you know the the effect that you're not seeing on field is still very greatly felt in the locker room he seems to be the he's a glue I guy i want to call him the heartbeat but he's a glue, a glue guy, guy. 
big time glue guy. Um, every week he comes off, gives you the how about them bears, which is just the, my favorite thing in the world. Um, he is he appears to play the game with joy, and football's not always played that way. Sometimes you got your guys who play it angry, you got your guys who play it mean, you got your guys who just play it vo- devoid of all emotion, you got your guys who are the rah rahs, and then you got your guys who really do everything and span that gamut of emotions throughout a game. And I think that's what Cordell Patterson is. Yeah, he is. He, the, the heartbeat is, uh, I, I think, like you said, a li- not a little bit of yeah, exaggeration, well, I'm not going but I'm not going he is, yeah. he is a, is an important part of that offense in that locker room as I think anybody else. No doubt. Um, Matt, yeah. I am so thrilled to be talking about a bears team that sits at four and one through five weeks. If you looked at that schedule, I would have very, very, very optimistically said four and one. I would have yeah. had the loss coming here. I would have had us four and zero, oh, and going four and one with the loss to the Buccaneers on a short week. But that's that is best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Looking at it prior to the season, so you sit at four and one, uh, staring down a long rest, uh, long time to prepare. Yeah, for ten a, days, right? Ten days Panthers. to prepare for Teddy Bridgewater and an okay Panthers team. That's a um, huge game for this Bears team. It can't. It can't be the classic Detroit Lions let up no. after a big win. It just it, can't be. It, you like, have to come out there and you have to assert some dominance over a lesser team. If you and, look at this schedule, like it's not the hardest schedule in the world throughout all seventeen or all sixteen games. But at, like like you said, you would have very optimistically predicted a four and one start for this Bears team because it started out pretty light and then you had the Bucks. After the Panthers, they go to L.A., they host the Saints, they go to the Titans, who I guess we don't know what the Titans are going to be doing, but then mm-hmm. they have the Vikings and then the Packers. Like After that Panthers game, it goes from five very winnable games to five, like, that's a stretch where if they come out three and two, I'll be thrilled. Yeah. Um, Christian McCaffrey is freed up off the IR this week after his three Let's mo- hold three him weeks. out one more time. Well, I think that they do, because I don't think if you want Christian McCaffrey coming back from injury – and you're you're worried about the longevity this year and beyond. I don't think the Bears' front is the intro- no. the reintroduction you want back into. Um, I think back they into also the game. originally said four to six weeks off the top when when he suffered that injury. Yeah. So he's not a guy, and this is not a year that you're. We need to get him back in the lineup right now. This is hey, you just signed this big deal, buddy. Like go get healthy. Like we're not the Panthers aren't a playoff team this year unless you know everything goes very right. Matt Rule is got all the safety, you know, contract concern, or all the job security in the world. Just get your guys right. This isn't the game to force Christian McCaffrey back early. Uh, Because if you're Carolina and you're really looking at what you're capable of doing within the division, uh, they have a big-time division rivalry this week against the Falcons in Atlanta. That's Mm -hmm. winnable. Uh, the Falcons are 0-4. Now, I do think the Falcons are still the better team. So does Vegas. Uh, Vegas has the Falcons, yeah. I believe, point-and-a-half favorites. But then they come to Chicago, and then they go to the Saints in another big-time divisional matchup, and then to the Falcons in another big-time divisional matchup. He needs to be ready so to go for those three. He needs to be ready and healthy for Saints and Falcons, uh, and then Chiefs on the back end of that. And then you get back in the division with the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that all signs point to Christian McCaffrey being on ice this week in Chicago, which, you know, that's hey. – you don't wish injury upon anyone, but when looking at a match – You can wish a, sh- a longer taking, recovery taking, if taking already an, injured. Taking an, MVP, taking an MVP out of the fold never hurts the matchup. No. Uh, so hopefully we do not see Christian McCaffrey next week and then, and then the week after. Uh, let, let's get to 5-1 and one here 10 days from now, as you said. Or bear 10, down. Eight days from now, a bear down sitting at 4-1. We hope you guys enjoyed uh, that breakdown. We hope you guys enjoyed this pod. But we do have one 
sort of sad thing to talk about because it is timely and it is topical, and we do ask the question each and every week, what's going on with Corey Crawford? Well, now we know uh, the Stanley Cup champion who deserves all of the respect in the world from Blackhawks fans and Chicagoans uh, will not be resigning with the Chicago Blackhawks. He actually Madam signed Clinton. with the New Jersey Devils this morning. Oh, I, I have not, yeah, I have that, not so seen that, happened, that news. That, that happened about not, not long. That happened like half hour, hour ago. All right. What 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 did they ended up giving him? Uh, it's two years, know? just under eight million. So okay, I think so. the it's, the average annual is three point nine, I believe. And so a little bit that's more. Pretty much. That's pretty much as mega as it gets for goalie deals right now. You're not seeing those yeah, there, mega there was goalie the one, deals we saw five uh, years ago. What's it? The uh, Jacob Markstrom, who left Vancouver, just signed in Calgary for basically what Crawford's old deal was uh-huh. six by six, which is. That was, I believe, that's by far the biggest contract we've seen a goalie uh, with the pandemic and goal like that. That was a big deal. Crawford that's, got that, yeah, that's big. I don't have a problem with Corey the Hawks not wanting to give Corey Crawford that contract because they're clearly in a point where they need to dump some cap space, bring on their young guys, and you know, kind yeah. of start the rebuild. I do have a problem with how Stan Bowman kind of went about this because Corey Crawford met with the media on Zoom and pretty much said he was devastated when he found out the Hawks weren't you know bringing him back and said pretty much after that one year three and a half million dollar offer there was yeah. no negotiations so I have a problem with and, and that's just his side but Stan Bowman doesn't have the benefit of the doubt with me um, seems like Stan Bowman just kind of gave a courtesy offer to a legend and then told him to go f off Yes. Uh, which I, th- that's what I have a problem. I don't have a problem with Corey Crawford not being back because two years at four million, which is what he's getting, is it's doable. But I'm okay with saying thanks, but no thanks, because at some point the Hawks need to start moving on and not yeah. blowing out contracts for what you did in the past. Not start Corey seeing, Crawford's not start so seeing good, what you have between the pipes beyond the, Corey yeah, Crawford. The, because the Hawks aren't winning a Stanley Cup in the next two years with or without Corey Crawford. It, it yeah. pains me to say that, but I mean we've all watched this team the last couple of years. They got in the playoffs last year because they expanded it to twelve. Like they weren't going to be a playoff team otherwise, and they happened to win a series largely because Corey Crawford stood on his head. But they're not a Stanley Cup team. We we saw yeah. the differences in, in what they are, and they, if they want to get back to being there, they kind of have to start resetting and this paying a 35 year old goaltender with concussion history for uh four million dollars a year for the next two probably doesn't make sense yeah i I think that it stinks in the moment but the and you know we could be critical of how it was done but the decision might be the right decision for the blackhawks future um it, it stinks for a guy who obviously wanted to remain in chicago a guy who you know he's part of this core group of absolutely of Kane, Taze, Sharp, Keith, and, and these other guys on this team, Seabrook, who are Chicagoans now. You know, yeah. these are these are Canadian kids or, or, or a kid from Buffalo or a kid from Minnetoba who, who have become Chicagoans because of what they did for this city and what this city has done for them. Corey Crawford, I'm sure, to, I, I'm, I think it's pretty safe to say, will raise his children, will have his future will call Chicago home for the remainder of his life because that's what the city does to people mm-hmm. when you're embraced by it and we embraced Corey Crawford and I always want Corey Crawford to feel embraced by Chicago even when he's not a Blackhawk and I want to be able to buy him a drink at Tavern on Rush 20 years from now when you see him sitting down to have lunch like I, I want Corey Crawford 
to be a Chicagoan more than I want Corey Crawford to be a Blackhawk. I guess I'm, is what I'm not sure there's going to go down as more of an underappreciated athlete in Chicago sports. Yeah, I heard a lot of people good. saying that. Why is that? Because I appreciate the shit out See, of Corey you, Crawford. You, hey, you, you do. I, I, I'm not saying you don't. But there are a there's a very big contingent of Hawks fans and, quite honestly, a contingent of national that just don't believe in they, they they've always thought Corey Crawford wasn't all that good for some reason and if it really Cap came around if Cap came Cap, around Cap why aren't you <laughs> but I think what I think what you're going to see from that contingent in Chicago and it's you're now already starting to see it now that he's gone is it's kind of like going to be like a be careful what you wish for thing because he's gone now and you're going to see next year what the goalie situation looks like without that consistency in the pipes and I'm not they're probably going to go young with uh, Colin Delia, they re-signed Malcolm Subban and see what some of these young guys got, and then maybe mm-hmm. if, if they really want to try and trade for somebody. But um, you're gonna—not that those guys are bad or incapable, but they're not Corey Crawford. And this defense—if if you watch, like Corey Crawford was doing what he was doing, facing like I think the Hawks were top three and you know high dan- high danger chances faced. Like he, all the metrics were basically proved how bad the Hawks were defensively, but Corey Crawford's numbers were still way up there. So. It's going to be a tough one for the Hawks next year, and you're going to see their team goals against Rice quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's going to be a little bit of a you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of situation because Hawks fans are going to realize what they had in Corey Crawford when they see what they have now. Well, I, I think we speak for all Hawks fans when we extend our thanks to Corey Crawford and uh, you know for I, what I, he did for this franchise. I'm excited for the, for the, for the day the, the Devils Cups. come to the to town next year. Hopefully, there's yeah. fans in the stands, and then. You know, four years, five years down the road, when that number fifty goes up into the rafters, because if it doesn't, that's just a travesty. Yeah, we can give that man the ovation that he deserves here in Chicago. But uh, for now, I think uh, that's all we've got for the Moose and Roots podcast. Ooh, quick couple notes here. Okay. Brandon DeChambeau is driving greens all over the place uh, in I can Vegas do that. right now, and uh, it's fun to watch. So that's going down this weekend, and the NBA Finals roll on after what was an amazing. Game five matchup, uh, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James trading. When blows. is game six? Is that tonight? Game six is Sunday. Okay. Um, and uh, they're doing the saw, two days off. No. Yesterday, oh, today, Friday. I'm sorry. Yeah, yesterday. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm done. If you saw Jimmy Butler get up from the podium uh, after his media availability, the war that he is putting his body through to keep his team in this one. I mean, just talk about a Chicago legend. Oh, yeah. That that I have no problem watching succeed elsewhere. Um, it's been an absolute joy. I don't. And, uh, he staves off elimination for, if not one more day. If they can win Game Six and get into a Game Seven in the bubble, and and you know inject that doubt into LeBron and the Lakers, man, I don't special. pretend to be a gambling analyst, and I really hope they can get it to Game Seven. But that game last night seemed like you know I, I don't want to. Kind of comparing it to the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know if you remember, like Game Five, uh, the. Or game four, like the, the Stars gave it all they had. They lost a heartbreaker in double overtime. The Lightning went up 3-1. Kind of the same deal there with the Heat. They lost a real tough one in game, yep. four, or game four. Heat Lakers made it 3-1. Next game out, like just really emptied the tank, gave it everything they had, went out, won, forced the game six. I mean, clearly you saw that still shot of Jimmy hunched over the uh, the guardrail there underneath the basket. Like mm-hmm. the, the Heat, I think the Heat absolutely emptied the tank, gave it everything they possibly had to extend that series. It's very I, well possible. I kind of well possible I don't that know what the, the line last, is, but like that was the last swing. Yes, like, and, and they're and good for them. They took a swing and they did hit. 
but yeah. that didn't knock out the Lakers, obviously. And I just, I, I hope that he can extend it to seven. I really want to see a game seven between Jimmy and LeBron. I think that'd be awesome. But just the guy who's seen this before with the underdog against the heavy favorite, mm-hmm. I don't know what the points are. I, I don't know what the line is for, uh, for that all game. All of the spreads early. throughout this game have been since, seven. Since games one and two, they were a little tighter. I think they were like four and a half, five. The Let's last see. two have been seven, seven and a half. So I'm sure that Lakers this are line, minus five. I would lay five. Yeah, that, that, that tightens up. I think that's a little too much respect. Um, but all of these games have been hard fought. Uh, minus, what was it, game three was the blowout? Um, I thought it was game one. No, game one. Game No. What was, was it? the blowout? I think it was game was it one. Game one? Yeah. NBA Finals 2020. Yeah, yeah. it was game there one. There was like 90. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, game one was. Game one was the blowout. Then um, game two was closer. Game three was the Jimmy Butler 40-point performance. Mm-hmm. Game four, Lakers come back and win a tight one. Game five was uh, this Jimmy Butler just gritty triple-double. Um, also, you, you and I love giving LeBron crap and all that. and he, He's taking an he unnecessarily made, he beating made, for made making right, that. He, okay. he made the right he ma- decision. He made the right pass. But here's the problem. Why is Danny Green the one standing at the top of the key? I understand Danny oh, why Green's was the guy Steve you've... Kerr the one standing at the top of the because key? Because Steve Green's... Kerr, because Steve Danny Kerr Green's been the... hitting playoff threes for the last no, he hasn't. 10 years. That's Matt. You haven't been watching. Danny Green has missed I, no, more three right. pointers. Danny Green has missed more open three pointers this series and the last than any three point quote unquote three point shooter I've ever seen. He shouldn't be on the court. I'd rather have AD at the KCP. top of the key taking that three pointer. I'd rather have KCP or Rondo taking that three. Steve Kerr took that three because. Steve Kerr is the first and second all-time in most three-point statistics. So uh, that's what I can't stand here is people saying, oh, Steve Kerr shot it, John Paxson shot it. If you want to compare Danny Green to someone, compare him to John Paxson maybe, all right? I didn't know Danny Green's kind of fallen off that much because he was a pretty lights-out shooter with the Spurs, wasn't he? I am not here to listen to people compare Steve Kerr to Danny Green one iota. What I want I'm not as a fan of the game, as a fan pass. of the history of the NBA, is I want LeBron James to complete his legacy with his moment. Mike had his moment in Game 6 in 98. Uh, LeBron, LeBron James, LeBron, what, the block? The block. You make he a came shot. back from down 3-1 Make a shot, block. dude. Make a shot. Hey, defensive championship. Forget forget coming up and being this point god or whatever you want to call it. Get the ball out of your hands, come off the screen and knock one down. Make a moment. And that's me selfishly as a fan saying, Frank Vogel, don't let LeBron make the decision. Set something up for him where he's coming off a screen or he can drive and can't get triple teamed. Like I I, I just I, I understand. And I, and I support LeBron making the right pass, drawing a triple team, and getting Danny Green a wide-open top-of-the-key, uh, top mm-hmm. highest-percentage three-pointer you could ask for. He, he made the right play. But was the decision to put Danny Green in that position the right one? Absolutely that's, that's not. That's the fair criticism. Absolutely that's, that's not. That's totally fair. But that's, again, I, that's, I'm not, that's being not on critical, LeBron. That's I'm not Frank being Bogle. critical of LeBron passing it. I'm being critical of Danny Green, and I'm being selfish as a fan wanting the LeBron James moment. Honestly, it's all irrelevant. If the NBA Finals ended last night and the Lakers won and they hoisted the Larry O'Brien trophy and Danny Green played hero, I kind of have a little yuck feeling in my mouth. You know, I I feel a little yuck after that. It's all irrelevant because even if he would have made the three, Jimmy would have came down and buried one. Jimmy would have came down and jumped from the three-point line and dunked. Yeah, That's what he would have done. Do that count as a three? I don't know. I, I don't think we've seen it. Uh, but technically, if you don't touch the rim, then yes, right? It'd be like I would taking, have to think it'd be like so, yeah. taking a jump shot that you just jump really far forward on. Yeah, I would have to think. So. I don't. I don't. He would. I don't if, if anyone's <laughs> capable of it, it's scary. A full a full Space Jam scenario there for for oh, Jimmy Butler. 
Um, no, but looking forward to game six. Hopefully uh, we can go seven or hopefully LeBron can provide us with this moment that we or this moment that I dearly want. Um, other than that, uh, we got nothing here. Have a good weekend. Everybody. Let's Thank watch you some for college uh, football. Let's watch some college football. Let's enjoy some NFL action on Sunday. Uh, be safe. Got any Have action a good today weekend. On, the, uh, on, the, on the old college football slate? I absolutely love, like? I love the Citadel staying inside a 29 and a half with Army. Just too much okay, pride there. Who gave you that tip? Just too much pride there. John Berger, one of our, okay. one of our analysts. Uh, we're staying inside 29 and a half with the Citadel. And <laughs> I'm number one Citadel college football podcast. Those I numbers. think that um, – what was the other one that I liked? Uh, we had we were looking at six and a half. Oh, Florida covering six and I a like half that. against uh, Texas A and M. I think Florida. I think Florida is a favorite. really good football team. I think Florida is the favorite in that side of the SEC. That that game, Florida Georgia, is going to be a war, and I can't wait to watch it. But this is my boneheaded angle: Kyle Trask, Florida quarterback; Kyle Pitts, Florida wide receiver, tight end hybrid, who are both lighting it up at Kyle Field. Kyle, it's. Stop me, stop me when you don't feel that that sort of. Uh, it's that Kyle sort of, cubed. Yeah, we got Kyle cubed. So uh, I think Florida covers a six and a half. I think Citadel stays inside the twenty nine and a half. Get those picks in now. I like I like Clemson at home against Miami. I think it's around fourteen. I, I just I think this this has Clemson playing up the disrespect card, and you know they they got a um, good quote unquote good Miami team who usually uh, just absolutely flops in a big spot once a year. And I know I, Notre Dame hasn't played in two weeks, but they're laying mm-hmm. 21 to Florida State. And Florida State is just yeah, – they've already off. given That's, up on the year. Like, yeah. they, they're just – they're a program that is so toxic and so their culture is so bad that I just kind of think Notre Dame's going to come out a little bit refreshed and be fine. Before – I'd say – I'd say um, go small units on that Clemson play. Clemson's 3-0 and uh, this season. 0-3 against the number. They have yet to cover this season – uh, Miami's also three and zero. Three and zero. Three and zero against the spread. So it's also hard think, to cover when you're minus thirty one. But that's what I, that's what I'm saying here. Yeah. I think that the books have overvalued Clemson and this Clemson team a little bit, and I think okay. that might be the case here. You get at thirteen and a half. Maybe, maybe buy down for, that. Maybe buy the hook on that. Yeah, I, I'm buy, looking buy for it down to under two scores. I'm looking for a backdoor cover out of Miami if they can show up in this spot. So I'd say go, go easy on that one. Uh, that would be my it, just looking at the precedent that's been set out here over the first three weeks. But Matt Rooney, we can talk about each and every line. We do a little yeah, we got kickoffs here in like one minute. Yeah, so uh, enjoy everybody. Um, you know, pour one up, pour one out. Enjoy yourselves this weekend. We'll be hitting you with another podcast coming uh, midweek, probably around Tuesday. Happy Wrapping wedding day week. to our good friend Jeff Ferris. Oh, happy wedding today. day. Happy wedding day. Mazel. Mazel to Jeff. To, to a Fenwick um, Fryer, Madeline Mason. You can't, you fry, can't, fry. you know, sometimes these things just work the way they should. Fry, you know? fry, fry up. Uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations to you for enjoying another Moose and Boots podcast. This episode 175 will be with it. We'll be with you for 176 coming later in the week for a full NFL wrap up. We'll have a course review from the Rooney boys uh, and plenty more. So stay put, enjoy and be safe this weekend. For Matt, I'm Joe. Talk to you later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.